How's it going tonight, Paradigm? Hey, my name is Luke. If you got a Bible, open it up to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is where we're going to be tonight. Hey, and if you were an animal, uh, what animal would you be? And I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd be a dog. But not like a cool dog, not one of them dogs that's got an Instagram, like, like a Pomeranian. Like, a, like, I'd be an inside dog. And what I mean by that is, uh, I don't really like going outside. Like, I prefer to be that lap dog. Like, I don't, like, even if somebody knocks on the door, like, I'm good right here. Like, I don't really want to go outside. And I know this because a couple weeks ago, uh, our Paradigm staff, we did this retreat out in Lone Jack. And it was actually not even Lone Jack. It was that tiny town next to it. I don't even know the name of it. But, so we're out there, and I'm driving out there. And the whole way, I'm thinking to myself, I'm an outside dog. I'm an outside dog. I got this. Like I can convince myself I'm an outside dog for a couple hours, right? The time goes on. We get there. We pull up, and, and we are in the boonies. Like, we get out, and there's like a pond and all this. I'm like, how much of this is yours? And, and we get out there, and, the, and Chad's got all these activities planned, right? So one of the first things that we do, uh, we're carving these pumpkins. And to me, this is, this is foreign. Like, I get out there, and I'm like, and, and we're paired up, and my wife's with me, and I'm, I'm getting this pumpkin, and I'm like, and my, my wife's like just cheering me on. She's like, you're killing it. And I look over, and the guy next to me is done, and he has a pocket knife. <laughs> you work at a church. You don't need a pocket knife. But, so I got this butter knife. I, I can't even get the top off this pumpkin. So it's going bad. One thing leads to another, and I'm standing over this fire, and, and I'm cooking my dinner, and I'm just like, so how do we do this? And this is just awkward. I don't know how this works, but the night comes to a peak whenever we're standing at this pond and I look up and there's these two canoes and this just looks like a disaster, right? And this is called Canoe Wars and it's like 40 degrees out and I'm dressed as country as I can. Like I got these boots, not these ones, I got some country ones in my mind, they're like leather. And I'm out there and I'm about to get in this canoe with my boy Mike and and we get in this canoe, and, and what's happening is these two canoes, they're, they're going right at each other, and you gotta pop the other canoe's uh, balloon. And, and whoever pops the balloons, they, they win that, and, and me and Mike got this Pirates of the Caribbean move we're about to pull. We're gonna swing this thing to the left so we can guard our balloon and stab the other canoe. So, so we pull it off, right? Like, we're pulling it, and we're going left, and then it goes downhill from here. Like, we're turning and the side of this canoe slams into us and we flip in to the water and, and I'm in this water, it's 40 degrees and I'm just swimming back, I'm just like, I'm, a, I'm an inside dog. <laughs> and I share that with you guys tonight because in life, man, you can dress the part, you can say the right things and you can convince yourself of something but the truth, it's gonna come out. And a lot of you come in here tonight and you've convinced yourself that you're a good person. And when it comes to your relationship with God, like you're good right where you're at. But give it enough time and the truth, it'll come out. And I've been there. I grew up down the road in Independence. We got any IDOT people out there? Hey, represent, we made it out. And. <laughs> And hey, I grew up down the road and I thought, man, I'm good. I got it all together. Like I got this, I'm, I'm gonna, I wanna play baseball at a high level. I got an awesome girlfriend. 
and I just want to be successful and everything's going good. And what I really found out was that I was living for things like good grades and playing baseball at a high level and I was living a life that hinged on my happiness. So I played baseball to make me happy, I went to school to make me happy and I was dating this girl that made me happy and I even invented this version of truth that made me happy. And if it didn't make me happy, it isn't true. And I know this to be true about us in here because in 2016, the word of the year was post-truth. And this word post-truth, it means that we're no longer looking for what is true, we're saying that there is no truth, right? So we've moved past the idea of trying to figure out what is true and we're saying that there is no truth. And how this plays out, it's things like, hey, follow your heart. Like, whatever you feel like, that must be the truth. And I think that a lot of us are, are using this narrative to convince ourselves tonight that we're just good right where we're at, we're fine. So Jesus tonight, he's gonna say some things that are countercultural. I've titled this message, Truth Comes Out. And tonight I want you to see the deception. I want you to see the truth and I want you to be free. So there's this guy in the Bible, his name's John, and he wrote a few letters. Uh, maybe you've heard of him, maybe not. If you're new to the Bible, Jesus and John, they are like, they're like best friends. And, and I know this to be true because John, he goes to places that only John got to see. And Jesus and John are such good friends, John was the only disciple that stood there and watched Jesus take his last breath. And as Jesus hung on the cross, he looked down at John and he said, take care of my mama. And I don't know about you, but I'm not just letting anybody take care of my mama. So Jesus and John, they're very close. And, and he wrote this book called The Gospel of John. And The Gospel of John, it is my favorite book in the Bible because it radically changed my life. And, and John would want us to see tonight that it can radically change yours as well. Because John, he, he just saw Jesus walk on water, feed 5,000 people, and Jesus just preached a message that was so bold that it cleared out the entire synagogue and all that he was left with was his 12 and he looked at him and he said, what about you? And we're gonna come tonight to John 8, 31. If you've been following Kanye, he's pretty fond of John 8. And these verses, man, I do believe if you lean into these verses tonight, they will radically change your life because they changed mine. So John 8, 31 is where we're gonna start tonight. And this is what it says. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus just said that he's come to set us free. And it's the truth that leads us to freedom. And here's what they say right here, look at this. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? And see, we gotta understand the culture here. What's going on is they're saying, hey, hey, we're from Abraham, and that means we're free, like we're good. Right where we're at, we're, we're good. And there's people in here tonight that you would say, I grew up in a Christian home and I'm good. And, and you have like a, a tattoo of a Bible verse or whatever that thing is, 
And the only problem with that logic, thinking that you're good because you grew up in a Christian home or because you have a tattoo, is the Bible. The Bible says nothing about that. And Jesus goes on here in verse 34, he says, Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Point number one is deception. See, these guys that Jesus is talking to, like think about this, they're literally staring at truth right in the face. And they're like, we're good, right? We're good, right where we're at. And they had convinced themselves that they were good, and we'd be lying if there weren't people in here convincing themselves the same thing. And the reason I know that to be true is because that's my story. Like, I grew up not needing the Bible. I didn't need God. I, didn't, I just wanted to do my own thing. And I had this teammate of mine who was bold enough to come up to me and he challenged me, he said, where are you at with the gospel? And he shared with me the gospel story that Jesus came, died, a death that I deserve. And I just looked at him and I said, man, I'm good. Like, I'm good right where I'm at, I don't, I don't believe that. And I was playing baseball out in Virginia at a school called VCU, go Rams, just me, all right, cool. And I was dating this girl my senior year of college and she came to Christ, right? Like she had accepted the message of Jesus. And at this point, I'm studying to go to law school, so I think that like I'm really smart. So I'm just gonna prove this whole thing wrong, and I'll just, I'll just go to the source, because if you know anything, just go get the source, right? So I find myself at my college campus bookstore, and I'm kinda mad a little bit, like walking through this bookstore, and I'm like, Slip through this aisle right here. What do we got right here? That, that'll work. So I end up buying this Bible, and I was convinced that I'm a good guy. Like, I've never done anything too bad. I've never killed anybody. I mean, I don't commit adultery, right? And, and what are you convincing yourself of tonight? See, deception, it's always the precursor to destruction. Deception is always the precursor to destruction. And what I kept finding is that no matter how successful I was, it was never enough. Like I would get 11 strikeouts, but I didn't get 12. Maybe I got 12, I didn't get 13. Maybe I got a 95 on my test, but I didn't get a 96. Maybe I got 100, but I didn't get 100 in the class. It was never enough. And the scary thing about deception is this, you don't know when you're being deceived. And I don't know about you, but I can make things seem a lot better than they are. See, I used to work in sales, and if you know anything about sales, they might put their own spin on this, but every salesman does the same thing. And you can hire people to come in to teach you how to sell, but they all teach the same thing, okay? They're teaching you this. They're trying to convince you that thing that you want isn't just a want, okay? It's a need, right? Like that thing that you just, you want is in need because the seller knows that the buyer is looking for that one thing, that one thing to justify a purchase that they really don't need, right? Like, like those pair of joggers that you just had to have because last year you ran twice outdoors in the winter and like it would be good if I had those $70 pair of joggers. Like the seller knows the buyer's looking for one thing to justify a purchase. And that's what sin does. It overpromises and it underdelivers. 
And I'm not as concerned about somebody else selling me. I'm concerned about me selling me on sin. And there's a salesman in every one of us tonight. And we're trying to get sold on sin. And it's telling you that you need that sex. Right? It's not just a want. You need it. Or you need that joint. Or or you need that purchase. Whatever it is. See, we're all prone to try and sell ourselves our version of the truth. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it proves itself to be true in my life like every single week, is Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Did you just catch that, what the Bible just said? It said that the heart is deceitful above all things. This verse is saying that your biggest fear should be you. Not anybody else, you. Right? It goes on to say that our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God, he's warning us that you're gonna sell yourself on your version of the truth. So in John 8, this passage we're looking at tonight, Jesus, he's trying to show these Jews that they're slaves to their sin. And they're convinced they're just good right where they're at. And they think because of the group they identify with that they're good. And this is what I know, man, deception, it always precedes destruction. Some of us come in here and we think we can exchange the truth for what we feel is right. Don't miss this tonight, you do not define truth. See, you can always find the right people to run with that are gonna affirm what you're doing. Like, you can sleep with her, you can sleep with him, it's fine. And that was one thing that was working against me when I was looking into the Bible. Like, I would literally open up this book that I just got at the bookstore, this Bible, I'd open it up, I'd go into my room, And I'd start to read it. And I'd read things that Jesus said that were just different, man. Like he says some bold things. He says that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. And that's convicting, right? So I'd close the book. I go out into the law. I go back in the living room. I'm like, hey, I just read this. And it's saying, guys, that if you look at a woman lustfully, that's adultery. And they'd affirm me. Man, you're good. You're like one of the best guys I know, man. Like you got that sick internship, they wouldn't have hired somebody who's a bad guy. You're a good guy. And I'd go on, right? Like, yeah, I'm good, let's go out. Let's go do our thing. And the group that you surround yourself with, they will not bring you freedom. And the Jews here, they're convinced the people they identify with means they're free. But what about you? Is there a part of you that believes that the people that you surround yourself with can set you free. Surrounding yourself with people who know God, like these people are really close with God, so if I just hang out with them, maybe they'll rub off on me and I'll become more like him, or maybe I can start a relationship with God if I just hang around these people. And the scary part about deception is that we don't know we're being deceived. Satan's goal in our life is that from birth to death, that he could deceive you. Did you miss that? His goal is that he could deceive you from the moment you were born until you die. Jesus' goal, okay, Jesus' goal tonight is that you would see the truth, that you would see this plot twist, that there is a truth, that there is a truth. Jesus wants you to see that tonight, and your eyes would be open to the reality that having the, the appearance of freedom does not make you free. 
In Genesis 3, we see the fall of mankind. Like this is where it all started. Everything that's ever happened bad starts right here in Genesis 3. And he's pulling the same move. Look at this, Genesis 3, verses four and five. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. He's trying to rip you off. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. See, he's just trying to convince, convince Eve that God wants to rip you off. Like he, he, he's trying to make you boring and lame. And, and notice that Satan, he doesn't come with an army, right? He, he just comes with a little bit of twist. Like he just wants to deceive you. He doesn't come with a legion, he comes with a lie. Like it's not obvious what he's doing, but he's pulling the same move to this day. And he wants to deceive you that you're missing out. And I think there's four kinds of deception that we tend to fall into. And the first one of these is, hey, we just gotta get better. Like a better version of me will fix these issues that are wrong with me, right? And the number one seller right now on Amazon is this book called Girl, Stop Apologizing. And it's the sequel to the book uh, Girl, Wash Your Face. So like, think about it. Every, I, the other day I was walking around, I saw this girl reading it and, and my wife engages with her and she literally, this girl was convinced that if she just became better, then she'd be good. But a better version of you will not solve your problems. The second way is this idea of if then. And what I mean by this is, if I get this job, then I'll make it, right? That'll solve my problem. If I get that girl, that'll solve my problem. If I get into the military, that'll solve my problem. Whatever your thing is. See, but what that really is, is you become a slave to someone else's validation. And that'll never fulfill you. Someone else will never fulfill you. The third way is more. Man, I just need more stuff, right? Like I need a bigger house, I need a nicer car, like the BMW X3 is nice, but I need the X5. But the X5 isn't enough, so I need the i3, but the new one's coming out next year, so I just need more. And that'll, that'll fix my issue. But it won't. And the fourth way is religion. And this is the one we gotta be aware of in this room. No matter how hard you work, you will not work your way to God. And in John 8, this is what Jesus is saying. He's trying to help these guys see that religion was deceiving them. And maybe you're in here, guys, and maybe you wanna know if you're being deceived. Like, help me see this. And it's crazy how we can miss this, because we just read what Jesus said about it. He gives us this test in John 8, 30 and 31. Look back to this, or, I'm sorry, 31 and 32. Look what he says here. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, so if you look back one verse to verse 30, he just preached a message and people are responding. So people are believing in what Jesus just, just said. So they're saying that they believe he is the Messiah. Okay, so Jesus goes on, he says, if, you're, if you believe in me, this is what this means. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Some translations will say right there, if you hold to my teaching or if you continue in. And what Jesus is saying is if you're mine, then you're gonna hang on to what I'm saying. And verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Point number two is truth. 
Point number two is truth. Because Jesus, he just said that if you know the truth and the truth will make you free. See, we all come in here, man, and we all wanna be free, right? Like, think about it. You just started a job, you caught out of college, and now you got this job, and you really just wanna work your way to retirement. Like, you wanna work hard enough to where you can retire and do nothing. Like, you just wanna be free. And if we were to poll the audience tonight, like, hey, by a show of hands, how many of you guys are entrepreneurs? Like, 57 hands would raise in the air. It's like, you just wanna make your own schedule and do whatever you want, really, is what that comes down to. Like, because you have an Instagram and a GoPro does not mean you're an entrepreneur. And we're all wanting freedom. But the thing that sets us free is if we hold on to the teachings of Jesus. But before I get there, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Do you believe in the Bible? Like, do you really believe in the Bible? A good way to tell this is like, hey, when you and the Bible disagree, who wins? Like, if you and the Bible disagree, who wins that argument? See, I started reading the Bible, and I, and I was really looking for a hole in it. And one of the things that tripped me up was like, it seems like all these people say the Bible's true, but they can't seem to get along. Like, we got Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians. Why is all this stuff messed up? Like, what, what's going on? Right? So I start to look into it, and what I found was, there's one thing that's consistent. One thing, if you read the Bible, look at it for yourself. Jesus. There's this change in the Bible, like the Old Testament. It, it points to this change, like there's gonna be a Messiah, somebody's coming, and then he comes, and we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Why is there a change? Because this man named Jesus comes. And what I found was the Bible it has a central message and it hinges on Jesus. Like if Jesus rose from the grave, it changes everything. Like what if we're all just making him out to be something he didn't even intend to be? I found that he says the same thing over and over and over, that he came to pay for the sin of the world. But let me ask you, have you ever examined the Bible like for yourself? not relying on the guy who stands up here on a Tuesday or a Sunday, have you looked at the red letters? Like, have you opened up the Bible and looked at it for yourself? Because that is what separates you. Like, you need to know what he says, and that's what Jesus is saying here. So how can you know if you're really a believer? Jesus is saying here that if you abide in my word, what does he mean by that? Not that you'd show up to paradigm, not that you just walked in here, not that you'd go to church on Sundays, not that you go to post coffee and get an Apple Jack latte, none of that. That's not what he's saying, right? But that you would abide in my word. This word abide, it comes from the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. And what it means is, and if I was to ask you what this word abide means, you would say something that's like, ah, it just needs to be close with. But what the actual meaning means is that you would be one with. So what Jesus is saying here is that this is my teaching and this is you. And if you are my disciple, you would be one with my teaching. Like even if you didn't wanna let go, you couldn't because you know what I say and you'd hang on. What Christ is saying is that you would be so intimate, intimately close to my teaching that you'd be one with him. If you're truly my disciple, you'll follow my teaching. 
Abiding in his word is proof that you are his disciple according to Jesus. The true test of a believer tonight, this is it right here. Do you desire to be obedient? And if there is no desire to be obedient, you are not Christ's. Jesus, he demands your whole heart. If you'd be bold enough to lean in to this text, you'll see that he's saying that the half believer is not a believer. Do you desire obedience? I know for me, whenever I came to Christ, there were some things that I really had to overcome. Like I'm coming from not believing at all, doing whatever, to believing in what Jesus says. And by the, by the grace of God, one of those big things, it, it, it's sex. Like, I was doing whatever. So for me to go from having sex to nothing, man, it's gonna take a move of God. But what I found is that if I don't abide in the truth of what God says, if I don't hang on to what he says, I'm not gonna make it. And he set me free. And I wasn't a slave to that anymore. Another thing is worry. And this is one of those things as a guy, like we wanna pretend like it's not a thing. And, and I think growing up that I just thought everybody was like this. Like the seven-year-old loads the car for the game. Like I thought every seven-year-old loaded the car because we, what if we're late to the game, right? Like why is this seven-year-old so worried about the clock? I'm like sweating looking at the clock. We gotta get there, we gotta get there, we gotta get there. And I thought that's just how it was, right? Everybody's anxious about the time. Like you look at the clock and you automatically sweat. I just thought that's how it was. But then I read what Jesus says in Matthew 6, and this is when it clicked for me, right? Like he says, I take care of the birds. What makes you think I'm not gonna take care of you? Like I, I trusted that he paid for my sin, but I wouldn't trust that he would take care of me today. Something's off, right? But I didn't start to change, I didn't start to see Jesus change my life until I held on to his teaching. Do you desire obedience? Because Jesus just said, he just said this, and if you don't desire obedience, it would make me question if you're following him. And man, it, this, hits, this hits us like a ton of bricks in here tonight. And, and, but we, it asks this question, is the Bible informative in your life or is it authoritative in your life? Because if the Bible's a brochure, the moment that it doesn't go with what you wanna believe, you're out, right? Like if it goes against what you really want, you're not gonna follow it. It's just a brochure. And in verse 32, he says that if you follow what I'm teaching, you'll know that it's the truth. And every statement, man, it can be tested. And we aren't just called to read the Bible. We are not just called to read the Bible. We're called to follow Christ, apply what he teaches. And the Bible demands a response. Not just people to learn about what he teaches and be informed and have some punchy phrases that he says, because he says some punchy stuff, but he wants you to apply it. And Jesus, he doesn't just want your amen. He wants you to follow him. And after searching, this whole book, or searching for a hole in this book, what I found was that this is not just another piece of literature, right? Like, there's something different about this book. 
This book is banned in 52 countries. Why? Because it's true. Mark Twain, one of the greatest authors of all time, right? This guy understands words as well as almost anyone who's ever lived. He would have nightmares about the Bible sitting on his chest, crushing him to death. Why? Because it's true, right? Like, this isn't just a piece of literature. It's the bestseller of all time. Why? Because it's true. And you can deny the truth and convince yourself that it's not true, but in the, tr- but in the end, the truth, it comes out. And guys, from Genesis to Revelation, this book, it shows us one thing. We desperately need God. And if you call yourself a believer, you should stand upon the word of God as the ultimate truth. And these pages, guys, they demand a response. Jesus, he's so clear on what he's asking of us. I mean, look at verse 36. He tells us the next step. Maybe you're in here tonight and you'd say that you wanna know the truth. Look at verse 36. It says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Point number three is free. I wonder tonight, guys, are you free? Like, are you really free? Like, I've been standing up here, I've been telling you there's deception and there's truth, but ask yourself that right now in your chair, are you free? Because what Jesus just said is that he can set the slaves free. Remember, he just told them that they were slaves of their sins. So what's he saying here? He's saying, I can set you free. Jesus, he just went from you're a slave to I can set you free. Why? Because of his relationship with the Father. He can bring the slaves home. No slave can set another slave free. You need access to the Father. And he's saying, I'm the son. I have access. I can bring you home. And Jesus, he's not talking about physical freedom in this passage. He isn't talking about the stars and the stripes. He's talking about spiritual freedom. And without Christ, you will be a slave for eternity. And Jesus, he loves you enough to tell you that he can bring you home. And something about Jesus that I just love is like he's, he knows. He knows what it's like to be in a world that doesn't value truth. He knows what it's like to be tried by sin, just like you. But there's a difference. He didn't give in. I know this sounds the same, what I'm about to say, but this message tonight It's not about a truth to learn. Jesus is talking about a truth that you need to know. Jesus isn't talking about a lesson, he's talking about himself. In John 14, six, Jesus, he'd put it this way, he'd say that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus just said there's no other way except through me. It separates him. He's saying that I am the truth. All other religions, they will say that this is the truth. Jesus, he says that I am the truth. It's what separates him. He says that I'm the truth. I'm the only one that can set you free. See, Jesus, he's made it easy to come home. And we're the ones that make it hard. See, you can know him. Like you can know him as real as anybody else. 
So somebody shares with me on my baseball team and I reject it. And this girl I'm dating, she comes to Christ. So I buy, buy this Bible, I'm questioning it. And, and on January 7th, I find myself accepting him. And I'm reading about Jesus' last few hours of life. And, and I skip to it because I'm like, man, what's going on at the end of this book? Because it changes everything, right? And something happens here. And Jesus, he's standing before the man that can set him free. And his name's Pilate. And he's looking at Pilate. And, and Pilate literally is looking at Jesus. And Pilate says, what is truth? And the irony is he's looking at truth. If you read on, it says that the guards literally slapped Jesus in the face. Like they slapped him. These are his last few hours. And he gets slapped in the face. And he's sitting there. And, and Pilate tells him, like, hey, I can set you free, man. Like, I can end all this right now. Who are you? Because Pilate couldn't find a reason to kill him. Like, what's the charge against this guy? And Pilate tells Jesus, he says, hey, I can set you free right now, man. Just tell me, who are you? But Jesus, he doesn't say anything. And I remember when I read this, I was like, why is he not saying who he is? Why isn't he telling them? And it hit me that Jesus, he chose death so that I could know life. Like he willfully went to the cross to pay my debt. I deserved that. And he was quiet, he was silent, he didn't say anything, why? Because he knew he had to do it. He had to go to the cross. And on that night I was done denying the truth. I wanted to be set free, I wanted to go home. So I bowed my head and I asked him to come into my life. And in that moment, it wasn't anything crazy, no, nothing crazy happened, but I know this that I was set free in that moment. And you think you're good tonight. And some of you, you've made that decision, like you've had that moment. Like, man, I made that decision. But some of you tonight, you have not. And you and I, all of us in here, we desperately need a savior. There's not enough stuff in this world that will fulfill you. There's not enough success. There's not enough strikeouts. There's not enough good grades. There's not enough. But God knew this. He knew that this wasn't enough. He knew there was a hole that only he could fill. So the Old Testament, it presents this problem, and this problem, it rolls out, and, and they try to solve this problem with prophets. They try to solve it with priests, and they try to solve it with sacrifices, but the sacrifices, they're not enough. So God, he had this plan. He had this plan to send one man. And this is what I've been talking about tonight. He sent his son, Jesus. He has access to the Father. And he died on the cross. For you, for you, for every single one of you. See, my day was January 7th. Your night can be tonight, November 5th. It can be tonight. And notice it wasn't a fact that set me free. 
It was the son. And I don't know if you're waiting on a fact, but there is no fact that can set you free. Only Jesus Christ is the only one that can ever set you free. Let tonight be the night. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you so much. We uh, thank you for sending your son Jesus. God, I pray that you would help my friends in the room. Pray that you would help them to see the deception. Pray that they would see the truth. I pray that they would see the truth is you and that you can set them free. God, if you can save me, somebody who slapped you in the face by denying you, you can set my friends free tonight. I pray that you would give them the, the courage to, to, to see the truth. And Father, I pray that you'd be with them. In Christ's name I pray, amen. <laughs>